Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Kieran Martin. He is a managing partner and co-founder of Index Asia. They are a boutique corporate finance advisory specializing in Southeast Asia and now have offices in the Philippines, in Vietnam, and also Hong Kong. I've known Kieran for a few years now, so it's great to finally get him on the podcast. We discuss the Philippine business environment, the economy, uh, the ease of doing business in the Philippines, the general ecosystem around around doing business. Uh, we also briefly touch on the tech scene, the startup scene, and the flourishing VC scene here now in uh, Manila. So it's a really good conversation, a, a great little overview of the Philippine business scene. I really enjoyed my conversation with Kieran. We actually don't talk that much about Index Asia, so of course go and check them out. They're at indexasia.com. And all of this, as always, is in the show notes, which is at outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Kieran, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on the show. And Kieran, we actually, we're, we're close neighbors. We live in the same neighborhood and uh, um, always find it really interesting what you do. Never quite sure what you do, but always find it extremely interesting. So maybe um, do you want to introduce Index Asia and, and um, what you're doing around the Philippines and Southeast Asia? Yeah, well, that um, so basically Index Asia is uh, like an independent advisory firm. So we, we, we help, uh, our positioning is we help foreign funds uh, or foreign institutions in investing in the Philippines. Um, it's quite, uh, the Philippines is quite a, a tough market to go in. 
um, and it's easy to make mistakes. So uh, we really uh, support uh, the foreign funds in um, in in. in we, we, we actually help the local company in getting ready to attract foreign funding. That, that's really the proper way of saying it. Um, so we deal with, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. And how, how would you, for foreign investors, how would you, what's the elevator pitch for the investment climate of the Philippines and the investment opportunities? You know, how would you kind of package the whole sort of Filipino um, opportunity? So, uh, good question. Um, there are always like uh, numerous like pillars to be able to pitch. The first one uh, is more industry related than country related. So, uh, for instance, if you if you if when you're talking to foreign investors, they have um, usually an international scope. So they would compare. Uh, they would compare one uh, company with uh, potentially another one in, 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 in a foreign country. Um, the scope of the funds is usually defined uh, clearly. So uh, that includes geographical aspects, but that includes also um, the type of uh, the company that they, 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 they can invest in. Uh, so the, the, the company itself is the most important part. Um, once you analyze and understand well the features of that firm uh, and able to present it well, that, that that is the most important part. The second part is definitely related to the Philippines. Um, it's an emerging country with a massive population, uh, 100 million now, um, at an, uh, and, and it's a young population. Uh, so you have a lot of consequences in terms of uh, consumer-related aspects. Uh, that are quite interesting. The Philippines is um, interestingly um, uh, enough uh, very digitalized in a way that they're the most time spenders in uh, platforms like Facebook um, or especially Facebook that is known Viber as well. Um, some of the latest success such as uh, Axie, for example, you might have known the mm. mobile uh, the success is coming from the Philippines. There is a strong adoption rate in the Philippines. Despite that, there's not so many players uh, yet, uh, but there, there can be big winners. So once you have, uh, you have a market that is massive, but is untapped somehow. Um, so this is something that investors also realize. Um, aside of that, but you have the micro elements. The GDP pre-COVID was quite strong, one of the strongest in Southeast Asia, at like 7% on average. Um, definitely, uh, there is a shortage of uh, infrastructure, like uh, housing, um, uh, electricity is a very high cost. Uh, so th those are very uh, uh, elements that are prone for investment and improvements. Uh, you have a big demand and, and somehow like a lack of, uh, of supply uh, of major elements. So, so, so looks very short, you need to bridge the gap. Mm. Um, to me, to me, the Philippines, you know, and I might be biased, but it's an incredible opportunity because, as you say, like it's a, a big population. It's a very homogenized population. You know, they're all uh, relatively speaking the same language, same culture, you know, unlike sort of Indonesia and Malaysia where there's a lot of different sort of cultures uh, which can be difficult to traverse, but there's a sort of fairly homogenized 110 million people there. It's a very young population. It's a very sort of tech forward population. Um, and there's 
sort of it has a huge English speaking population and they are now sort of digitally uh, integrating with the entire global economy through outsourcing. So I see there's so many sort of positive aspects to the Filipino economy as an emerging market. Also, it's been very it's a very stable economy. You know, there's been no coups, there's been no hyperinflation, um, yet it, it's not on the radar and, you know, it doesn't have a lot of, it's not sort of an attractive prospect to investors. Do you, do you sort of know why it hasn't really reached uh, the, or piqued the interest of investors yet? Um, okay, so this is a, uh, my personal point of view. Um, uh, from what I understand, this is a lot related to uh, some, uh, uh, how do you say, the structure of uh, the financing uh, in the Philippines. So basically you have a lot compared to Indonesia. I'll compare to Indonesia because this is uh, similar in some ways. Indonesia is quite bigger, uh, definitely, uh, but it's also an archipelago. It, uh, it, um, it, uh, that's the similarity there at least. Um, that's quite strong. So, lo- lo- long story short, in the Philippines, you 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 have like a, a set of com- a set of families that really um, have a strong hold on the country. Um, in a country like Indonesia, you probably have that power that is dive that is uh, disbursed uh, to many more families, like seven times more families. Uh, not to give the numbers, so I don't, I'm not I'm not wrong, but this is a uh, pretty much the proportion. Uh, so what? What it means is that the, the families are actually really competing um, in the markets. So not only the, the, the market is bigger itself in Indonesia, but you also have the local families that are um, that are really competing for, for success. Um, in the Philippines, it's, it's more like a control type of market. Um, so when you are an investor, um, you have to be able to uh, work with local families in the Philippines without uh, getting, uh, you know, like uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Right. In, in Indonesia, it's way more spread, so you can really bet on one, and and many people bet on many actually opportunities just because there is not such a sense of control. So I think that's one major aspect. Uh, and related to that is also the, the, the power of companies in, in, of, of the big families in the Philippines is extremely strong and, uh, and, they, uh, and it, it is helpful uh, without doubt. So, for example, you always have in the Philippines, you have a lot, a lot of sometimes um, uh, bureaucracy or uh, lack of connections. Well, those are elements that they perfectly know how to deal with. So it's it's quite important to be able to to work with a family, but you also have the problem with that is uh, um, uh, negotiation power. Uh, you have to be quite of a significant size uh, equivalent uh, to be able to deal with a local family. So it's also not prone for SME investments, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, and, and as, to me at least, SMEs are really the uh, the lungs of the of the economy of the country. At least it's like that in Europe. Um, and uh, and if you don't have that layer, it's it's way harder to make it as di- as dynamic uh, as as uh, at least competitive wise uh, as you would like to. So despite the massive growth in the country, uh, a lot of it is absorbed, you know, uh, with a very pyramidal uh, structure. 
Got it, got it. And also, is there sort of what's the liquidity in the market like? Is it easy to come in and out of trades and positions or are you pretty locked down? Because if 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 there's not a lot of sort of international competition, then I imagine things move pretty slowly in terms of liquidity and volumes. Definitely. Um, maybe. So So there, there, there are two aspects there. Um, in terms of liquidity uh, for the banking system per se, uh, unfortunately, in the Philippines, uh, the loan-to-value rate is uh, 60 to, to for 60 percent uh, cash for 100 percent in asset value. So the, the 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 value of the asset that you need to give to the bank to be able to to, to release cash is, is quite is quite is quite is quite high. Um, they want 60 percent cash, so only 40 percent yeah. leverage. Yeah. Uh, less than no minus 40. So for example, you give you have a land that is worth one million dollars. Um, you you put it as a, a collateral for a bank, and the bank will give you. Uh, $600,000. Okay. It will not give you the full value of the land. Um, and it, definitely in other markets, it's possible to reverse it. It's still possible also here in the Philippines, but it takes uh, a lot of time, a lot of trust from the bank um, uh, to do that. So so th- this, this is not prone to... Uh, the, 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 this has some limitations. And again, this is from, from my knowledge and really to a particular... Uh, part of uh, of the of the population, which is more the the, the the lower type of companies, the bigger type of companies sometimes even own their own bank, so they have like the will to uh, they, they have more freedom in their actions there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's notable as well, isn't it? Like a lot of the all the main families have their own bank, so I suppose it's it's kind of quite a closed system in that regard, isn't it? There's a there's an extremely good uh, report from the ADB on the on the comparison of all the Southeast Asian financing situations, uh, and they express it very well. Uh, for for example, one, one part of the uh, of the report is to uh, the representation of the allocation of the uh, loans to SMEs. Uh, I, I insist a lot of SMEs because I guess it's. It's really related to our topic also here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you compare uh, equivalent markets, what are the banks allocating among all their portfolio? What is the percentage they give to SMEs compared to what they give to conglomerates? Um, when, I inc- when I say SMEs, it does include the small firms also. Uh, so you would say, in, in, uh, for example, in, uh, in Korea, uh, 60% of the full load, all the loans are given to SMEs. Um, you go back. To, you go to Thailand. It goes to forty percent, uh, and then you go to the Philippines. You go to Indonesia. Uh, I, I guess it's uh, like fifteen, and you go to the Philippines. It's like ten percent. So ninety percent. The other way of seeing it is ninety percent of the loan given are given to uh, big firms. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so those eventually really give like a strong competitive advantage. The bigger you are, the the the, the bigger you are. So the economies of scale. On the financing side, are quite strong. So this is this is really uh, at, at, at every level. The, this has, this is an interesting way of seeing 
uh, the dynamism of the financing because you were uh, I think the point was, was really liquidity. So that is on the on the financing institutions as the, 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 the banks. But um, aside of that, you also have like uh, foreign direct investments, you have um, the, uh, the populations, deposits. Um, and uh, one, one, one element also that we see is uh, becoming not as competitive in the Philippines compared to its neighbors is even the, the, the Philippine Stock Exchange. Uh, I, I was, I was uh, briefly exchanging with uh, someone familiar with the matter uh, the other day, and uh, he was able to uh, share with me um, the, the evolution of the last 20 years, and uh, again, briefly uh, enough, uh, about the Philippine Stock Exchange and the volume of transactions, uh, the value, sorry, of the transactions in the PSC uh, has, uh, was one of the best performer uh, of the region 20 years ago. And today it's uh, representing half of what is happening in Thailand. So there's a lot of um, improvement that can be made also within the uh, investment scheme in the Philippines from, you know, like uh, for the for the individuals. Uh, so the problem with that is if you're a, a strong, uh, a strong like a Filipino company, uh, you've been performing well, you want to go public, um, you know, there's a risk that um, if you list in the Philippines, uh, you might be limited. Uh, and once you're listed, you have way less maneuver because everything is public uh, you have to be very careful in all the actions uh, like uh, you, you also reach somehow a ceiling uh, there and for uh, somehow so so th there's a lot of benefits to that huh? there, no doubt but what i mean by this is yeah the impact of liquidity can be felt at every level when you don't have much fund or even when you're like a top performing uh, one uh, already um, that that is the the, the power of, of illiquidity somehow in the market and that that's exactly what we're trying to to support um, uh, with uh, local companies that are trying to uh, to maybe uh, seize their potential at best sometimes it's worth actually looking for foreign uh, foreign foreign funds. It's, yeah, I mean, it's scary that it, it's kind of a winner-take-all situation in the Philippine economy, isn't it? Because you have the very powerful conglomerates that are just expanding into every sector uh, and they get stronger and stronger and have access to more, you know, credit and funding and everything. Whereas the SMEs and even the retail investors, consumers, they have very little access to stuff. I didn't know that, you know, SMEs only had about 10% of the of the access to, to debt, um, but also, you know, I I understand anecdotally that, you know, uh, the mortgage market for for general people, consumers, is virtually non-existent. You know, they the average person can't get a mortgage on a property, or or it's very low leverage and it's very expensive interest. Uh, and then also, you know, with the Philippine Stock Exchange, is very low participation by retail investors you know it's more sort of institutional investors so these markets are there but they aren't really adopted by the masses are they which i think these systems become very powerful and efficient when everyone is using these systems whereas now it's just the reserve of the kind of the the massive conglomerates and the elite 
I totally agree. Um, I totally agree, and and uh, and it's 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 somehow on purpose for uh, for the for the ones that manage to to pro- pro- propel themselves at the top. Um, they're honestly also uh, uh, performing. I mean, there 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 is a reason why they're 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 situated uh, uh, at, at uh, as high. Um, so the, the the interesting thing is, yes, and it's a winner take all. Uh, takes hold and and um, and and that's why it, uh, if you, if you find your market well, uh, it can be enjoyable. Uh, so it does make sense. Uh, it does make sense for that particular reason uh, to actually ex- 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 explore. Um, and and I would say, and I guess it's something that you actually know way better than I do. But uh, there is one particular industry in the Philippines uh, that is a bit. Um, uh, not following that uh, systemic role is the BPO industry because it has access to foreign clients um, mm-hmm. that are uh, very much reliable. Um, you have a local uh, workforce that is uh, actually um, uh, motivated to work in that industry uh, because of its dynamism. Um, so it is a, a, a particular industry uh, that is is successful and as as uh, uh, as you as you as we discussed earlier is is it, it is still it's booming and it will continue to boom uh, in the Philippines. You have like the premises for success in there. So that's the only one that uh, and that's maybe the, the, the maybe that's the reason why it's the most it's the biggest contributor to the GDP. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up actually in, in this context. I didn't really think about it, but it is it is a really significantly different industry in that the entire industry is basically an export industry. The entire uh, revenue base is generated from, you know, clients overseas and there's, you know, about one and a half to two million people that are working in there. It's a completely export-based service, uh, which is interesting. But also the industry generally is the Filipinos aren't really involved in the industry and maybe the the rich and powerful families kind of missed that boat. They didn't really see this trend coming 20, 30 years ago and they didn't really climb on. And now the industry is pretty much owned by foreigners, um, by uh, Indians, you know, Americans, uh, and it's it has now grown to be the single biggest industry, you know, contributing about 12% to the GDP. Now, the the powerful families are, of course, benefiting from this because of the economic prosperity. And also, they own all of the property and offices and commercial space from which, you know, a property boom has happened because of outsourcing. So, they have, of course, benefited. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting industry, you know, and again, the BPO industry, because it's kind of owned by foreigners, it's it's a pretty capital intensive industry. But from what I understand anecdotally, they the BPO industry generally doesn't have a lot of access to finance, to funding, to debt, um, to build these companies because they're kind of considered locked out. You know, they're foreigners or maybe they're they're located overseas. And so it's it's an interesting industry. It's kind of straddling both sides. But hope, you know, thankfully it's grown despite the uh, kind of economic restrictions. 
they 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 face the same hurdles uh, in that in that part definitely in terms of financing. Um, but uh, but yeah, like you said, they 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 are not limited uh, because the other resources are there, uh, including like uh, commercial aspects and and pretty much the workforce. There's a lot. Of, um, just to just to to continue on this. Um, there's a lot of innovation actually happening in the in the BPO industry. Um, uh, even I think the only unicorn, uh, valid unicorn that uh, a VC fund in the Philippines invested in is mm. BPO. It's based in the US, but um, very uh, much used in the Philippines. I can't remember its name though. Uh, Tascas. Tascas. Tascas also. Yeah, but I think there is a second one. That, ah, is there another? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, there's another. But it's a US based, but I think they're generating most of their uh, actually revenues uh, with the Philippines. And uh, to the point that uh, the VC Kickstart, uh, that is a. That is a yeah. No. Most prominent in the Philippines, they, they invested in that one, and it, it turned into a unicorn. I'll, I'll find I'll find the name again of that. Film. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's super interesting. I'd love to that's, know who they are. Right? So you have you you can find those uh, investment opportunities also there. But just to uh, uh, and related to innovation, um, I think it's not it's not finished, and it it it, it even might uh, generate more uh, opportunities uh, given the uh, our first. Uh, all the data centers, I think this is something that is booming in the Philippines at the moment. Um, and there is a lot of demand uh, there uh, that is starting. So that industry is not, we tend to think that the BPO is a, is a, is, is an independent industry also because it, 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 it is, it is, a, um, it is a driving itself uh, to the top, but uh, it does generate profits and innovation on on, on, on the rest. So property you mentioned, uh, potentially like tech related aspects, uh, data centers, and you have a lot of HR features, the, the, the dormitories. I mean, the, it, mm. it can, it can uh, there's an entire ecosystem uh, that is uh, built around it. You, you mentioned about the number of, of uh, employees working directly in the industry, uh, but I think the number of uh, indirect beneficiaries uh, from the BPO is even reaching five million uh, today. So you have five percent of the of the country that is, the, in terms of population, that is at least indirectly benefiting, directly indirectly benefiting. From yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the spread is enormous, isn't it? You know, like the BPO salaries are, are, are high and so they support, you know, their communities. But then there's also all of the auxiliary services, all of the, the restaurants and catering and food and training and corporate events and obviously office space and uh, technology. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been an incredible support for the economy. Uh, just, you know, absolutely incredible and the but the government as well has been very good in supporting it and trying to clear away red tape and uh tax incentives and things like that so it's right. uh, it's uh, you know it, the government has been good it certainly hasn't got in the way which is uh which is you know a benefit garen i want to ask you actually you know from your perspective in the sort of the bigger end of the market in terms of foreign investments and uh, with BPO recently coming into the news, are you talking about Probe Group? By the way, uh, was is another big uh, BPO that you know has just been invested in by KKR, I believe, um, at, a, at a billion dollar valuation. Uh, but anyway, so there's there's Taskhouse and Probe Group, and maybe another one that has done relatively well recently, and. Um, 
Otherwise, outsourcing or call centers can be seen as a fairly sort of boring, fairly old industry kind of sector. But I would like to argue that actually it's fairly new tech, it's fairly dynamic uh, sector. But have, do you see much foreign interest in the outsourcing sector? Do you see foreign buyers wanting to invest in the outsourcing industry and wanting you to sort of guide them around the industry? Or is it are there, is it sort of not on the radar of, of foreign investors so much? To, to be honest, um, it's, it is uh, also in, in terms of uh, investments, it's also seen as a particular industry. Uh, and a specialized one. I I I I, I tend to believe that uh, the players that are active uh, are focused on the BPO industry. Um, it's rare to have compared to many other uh, many other industries, basically, where 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 you can um, you can easily invest in, uh, for example, like a consumer. You would say, okay, it can be like. A, uh, like a beauty shop or a flower shop, or I mean, the principles are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, infrastructure, it's a bit more specific, but you also kind of know how the business works. Uh, for the BPO, it's 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 actually a bit uh, a bit a bit independent. So the players are specialized. Um, I, I don't come across by chance players in the industry. It's it's really uh, th- those are uh, somehow experts, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, see private equity getting involved in the industry more now, which I suppose is a good thing. But most of any M&A within the industry is really consolidation, you know, existing players buying existing players and and existing players buying sort of software, related software and IT solutions and things. So, yeah, it's fairly kind of self-contained industry in that respect. And it's unfortunate because I actually think it gets relatively low valuations, like the multiples are kind of the old industrial sort of multiples as opposed to anything related to technology. On that, on that, uh, on that particular point, uh, it's also due to the uh, somehow uh, lack of uh, clarity on uh, the commercial contracts because... What I've, from what I've seen, again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but from mm-hmm. what I've seen, commercial contracts can have like a fairly um, low uh, maturity. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like a one-year renewal. And, and that is not necessarily prone to, uh, you know, like uh, uh, certain visibility on the growth of the revenues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's also why I guess uh, a lot of the success, uh, not only the interplayers, but sometimes it's the big the, the, the companies themselves that invest in their own uh, BPO uh, because there you have visibility of the usage of it. And and and, and I wouldn't be surprised that the um, sorry the, the multiples that you mentioned um, is actually dependent on the, the, the quality of the commercial contracts. Uh, I. I, right. I is there still an expectation for long multi-year contracts? I thought that who signs a five-year contract for anything these days? You know, like I would have thought 12 months would be maximum. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Certainly for services, maybe for, you know, kind of expensive assets, you'd be looking for long contracts. But like, how does Netflix get any valuation? Because you can cancel Netflix the next month, but they 
you know, obviously have consistency with their user base and they have many, many multiple kind of valuation. Now, of course, there's a lot of factors going into that, but isn't the trend moving towards a month-by-month kind of turn-on, turn-off service provision? Yes, I mean very, very good point. Uh, I, 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 um, to 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 relay on this, it's related to acquisition. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, you don't necessarily outsource a position uh, in a firm, uh, even though uh, same. Uh, so there are two angles, maybe that how I see it. First is yeah, acquisition. It's not the same Netflix. You can you can literally take the decision in two minutes. Um, outsourcing, well, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, like uh, still uh, running the, the company. So the more the, ma- the market is getting mature, the faster it will get. But it's still in transition. Uh, that's that. I think that's that's one one aspect. Um, and uh, uh, the second aspect that I wanted to mention will get back to me in a minute. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so the second aspect also is uh, I, I personally believe that it's a very innovative market. Uh, and, and with innovation comes uncertainty. Uh, so, for example, uh, if the BPO are evolving more and more towards uh, machine learning, towards uh, even potentially, you know, like uh, uh, AI, like the bots, um, you you need less and less uh, vocal people. Uh, it can be automated. So, why a client would commit to uh, a certain durability? Uh, of contract if uh, a new innovation in a year from now might solve uh, some of the problems mm. uh, and, and that's a, and, the, and that's why uh, to get the better valuation uh, yeah I guess the, the, the type of service um, might influence uh, the perception at least of the investors because if you want to resell it five years from now you invest tomorrow for a return in five years you have to have certain visibility in the five years yeah got it got it Interesting. So another thing which is related as well, maybe, and certainly I'm no expert, but maybe you know you can talk to us. There's the elections coming up, uh, and uh, the country has been fairly stable, you know, for at least the sort of last two or three decades, which is great. But it's a fairly controversial topic, and uh, May next year are the uh, elections and the election season has now began, so it's the replacement of the president for a six-year term. Uh, how, how do you, what do you think foreign investors, are? how are they perceiving this period and are they are they sort of putting things on hold until this is resolved? Correct. Um, so, but definitely the election is a, is a, is a, is a, is a very important uh, milestone, I think, in the country, more than uh, in, uh, for example, France, that I know a bit better, at least that, that way. Um, and there's a lot of reason to that. Uh, I think this year is, even for the Philippines, an interesting uh, one. Uh, there hasn't been as many uh, candidates uh, ever. Uh, so uh, experts will tell, but uh, uh, there is a bit of competition for the position. Um, so that's 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 why there it's it's even harder to guess <laughs> what will what will happen. Um, for the investors' point of view, uh, so they're not yet uh, concerned or in any way about this, uh, and many industries are. Uh, 
are protected uh, from uh, the, the results there. But maybe the ones, uh, the, the investors uh, that are, uh, for example, the tech scene, they, 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 they I, I don't, exp I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard from any tech investors uh, uh, it being a part of the map. However, for uh, more infra-related, uh, infrastructure-related uh, players, uh, this can become uh, a, a topic for the simple reason that uh, you might have uh, new programs uh, that would be more favorable than now. Uh, but the latest build, build, build program was a very, very strong one also. Uh, so so the, the, the impact of the, the political power uh, or decision is quite strong. And that's that's one aspect why investors uh, and companies themselves actually uh, are, are a bit cautious. So all the, from, from, uh, from our, from discussions with, uh, with people involved in, uh, in, in, in different uh, aspects. What we understand is uh, until the end of this year, uh, there are still some uh, numerous deals coming in. Um, what is possible is starting 2022 uh, until the end of May or mid-May, uh, indeed, they might be more cautious. Um, mm. They might just prefer to wait, even if you can draft the agreements and you can work on all the process, uh, it might not be signed and effective uh, before uh, before the results uh, on the election, right? Because um, things can sort of turn on a dime in a way, can't they? With the the Philippines, so I suppose people are more cautious. But I suppose on on the 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 bright side of this is that Duterte was came in and was seen as very radical, and in some ways has been very radical. But actually, the country. Uh, has been fairly stable, hasn't it? Uh, of course, other than COVID and things like that. But um, you know, at least we're not seeing any kind of radical leadership. And uh, um, actually, know. to be fair, so it's a it's a it's a it's a hard uh, it's a, it's a difficult discussion uh, uh, to have. So I'll I'll just share uh, uh, <laughs> some elements. But uh, honestly, yeah. Uh, to 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 be fair. Uh, there are some uh, good incentives that uh, were applied lately. Um, there's the create law, especially uh, that will uh, that aims to reduce the uh, tax rates. Um, and uh, not only is it good for companies, but it's also good for the country uh, potentially because it might uh, it would uh, help um, transparency. I would say in that in that which is a, a, honestly a, 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 that can be an issue sometimes here so uh, this was adopted like I think now two years ago or uh, it was very recent during the mandate uh, so this was a very uh, positive aspect um, there are some other incentives that are ongoing uh, to, to, to promote uh, competition uh, especially towards foreign investments in uh, the retail space or with uh, SMEs that I've uh, uh, that I would uh, recommend. It's still ongoing, so it's too early to, to share them. But uh, uh, those are very much known uh, topics ongoing, and this is very, very, very will be would be positive for the country for all the reasons that we mentioned earlier. Um, so, so that, uh, that that was also happening. Uh, that that happened during the during this mandate. Uh, indeed, uh, I think uh, the international. Um, Publicity uh, was not that good uh, because of more like non-economical related aspects. Mm. Uh, so, so, so definitely in that regard, I, I cannot, I cannot comment. But uh, for the coming, uh, for the coming elections, 
um, it, it can be uh, it can be seen as a potential as an opportunity. Actually, I was I was sharing it with a, a fairly established company here, and 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 they were saying that um, it might improve uh, it might improve foreign perception. Um, if if we have a, a even like more progressive type of mindset with a women that could lead the country, um, those are very much in uh, our time, uh, and and this is a possibility. So so the the the, 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 the we could, we could see a different face of the Philippines, not only a very uh, well. Uh, uh, hold, <laughs> I would say, country by the political. Uh, strength, but but also more progressive uh, in some ways, and that's the same country and the same same voters. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope let's hope it doesn't sort of disrupt things. And um, I know this isn't quite your sector, but you know, any any observations on the the VC part of the market? Like it's been a bit sleepy. There is a growing kind of tech and startup scene. Um, but there hasn't really been a lot of VC presence. But now that seems to be changing slowly, you know, like there's there's a good couple of VCs here now and a few Asian VCs are now setting up shop in the Philippines and, you know, Axie Infinity and Kumu, who are two of the sort of star startups, I suppose, in the Philippine scene, they have been invested in by the big league of Silicon Valley uh, VCs with uh, Axie being... Uh, having an investment by Andreessen Horowitz, so it's you know it's looking fairly positive, isn't it? Do you see that improving, or do you maybe see like any startup worth its salt is maybe just going to Singapore or uh, the US to to get their investment externally? Okay. Oh, okay, so I, I think there are two uh, questions there. Uh, more like, uh, are there better alternatives for funding, such as mm -hmm. the US? Uh, but about the scene tech, uh, how it has been involved lately, I think I, I'll start with that one. Honestly, it has improved a lot uh, since the beginning of COVID, uh, not only because we have successful stories again. Uh, before, uh, the likes of, uh, of Coins were the, the pioneers uh, uh, um, and... Uh, uh, I think deal grocer also like years ago, uh, but the, the, those were those were surprises uh, somehow. Uh, however, the, the, those la the last few months uh, there has been numerous success stories, uh, including uh, the two that you mentioned. I think XC is coming from Vietnam, but very popular in the Philippines. Um, uh, no, that's well, that's Gabby Dizon, isn't it? Oh, sorry, YCC is is. Gabby Dizon's, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose they're connected. Okay. They're definitely connected. I, I think Axie would definitely explode in the Philippines, let's say this way. Yeah. Um, so so uh, that proves that the market is here, but Kumu is endemic uh, and, uh, and is already a worldwide uh, present story. Um, so that is on the, so you have a few companies, uh, a few startups that, that really started to uh, to perform, um, and that attracts actually financial uh, investors. So um, I was exchanging with one of the VCs here that I think is a, a strong international VC uh, called uh, Open Space, uh, early investor in Grub, for instance. Uh, they uh, they're one of the, the early movers, and now they're they, they have like strong uh, intentions to uh, deploy capital in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily 
the case before. Um, and they were, I think they were actually the one to lead the series of, uh, of Kumu. Um, so the good stories attract uh, additional VCs. And we start now to have, um, we start now to have like a foreign investors, uh, foreign VCs sincerely looking at the Philippines. Um, one one particular few joke that uh, that uh, those VCs say is the Philippines benefited from five years of digitalization in one uh, because of COVID, because of the tech adoption uh, that, that 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 was forced uh, due to the closure of all the physical aspects, all the physical um, uh, shops and uh, and. Uh, uh, at least in Manila, yeah. so so uh, so that attracts VCs, and you have like very professional VCs now that are that are seriously looking in the Philippines. That wasn't the case, and you have also local VCs that are performing. Um, I'll mention Foxmont, that uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I uh, they're an independent uh, VC fund uh, with a very strong brand locally. They're able to source uh, numerous companies. Um, the likes of it were not uh, as strong before. Uh, at least you had uh, you had like other uh, VCs, um, especially the one of John O'Rock, uh, that was also an independent one, actually performing with the BPO industry. Uh, but again, he was a bit alone. The ecosystem was not there yet. Um, otherwise, you have the CVCs, the conglomerate VCs, local ones. Uh, they, 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 they're, they're, they're catching up. They're catching up. They're 917 with Globe just uh, was created and is actually very serious in their investments now. Uh, so the, the ecosystem from local and foreign VCs is really picking up. Um, and, and honestly, four years ago, it was nowhere near that. Yeah, it's progressively getting better, isn't it? And- and it's a bit chicken and egg, isn't it? You need the startups before you have the VCs, but also you need the VCs before you have the startups. So I think it, it has been a little bit stalled, but uh, hopefully, exactly. hopefully things are things are moving in the right direction now. And it's just you know uh, the startup movement is is so contagious, isn't it? You know, I think globally it's more of a cultural movement as opposed to a business thing, and every every whatever millennial now just wants to be a startup founder. So it's a, it's an incredibly powerful movement. And then you just need the business environment and maybe a bit of VC environment to support it. And then it should hopefully flourish. That's the, that's the pitch. Um, there's a, I think one big reason why uh, under there are many reasons why, but uh, uh, you can count like uh especially in a country like the Philippines, it also represents uh, a certain level of hope to be able to to become a self-made uh, a successful man. Uh, and the tech enables it because you don't need much capital. You don't need much um, resources somehow. I mean, it's, it's different when you want to build uh, uh, in some ways, uh, but uh, comparatively uh, for, for anybody that is not necessarily coming from a very wealthy family, it's easier to build an app and, and make something out of it uh, instead of uh, of uh, building a building. <laughs> yeah, and I do want to see people concentrating on globalized startups with global potential. You know, everyone seems to be sort of in a local mindset. And I think the Philippines more than any of Asia has the opportunity to think globally because, of course, this somewhat native language is English, whereas, you know, you've got all of the other Asian countries that are predominantly, obviously, have their own language, which is then a, a, a hurdle to, to go global. Um, so, you know, there's, there's nothing stopping 
the Philippines compete internationally or globally with with their startup, yet their startup costs are probably ten percent of of like a, a global startup. So there's a huge competitive opportunity there, uh, which Kumu is doing somewhat, isn't it? You know, I think it's getting traction globally now in terms of a kind of social media thing. <laughs> That, that that is the that is the beauty of tech also is the the ability to scale uh, without limits. I mean that's that's uh, uh, you're correct. I mean Kumo enjoys a worldwide a worldwide presence already uh, in terms of uh, audition. Um, this is this is uh, this is the, the the another beauty of the Philippines diaspora. They're, they're all over the all over the world. World and uh, and numerous of them. I think it's it's an estimated like 20 million uh, uh, people that mm. are uh, spread, uh, and they they still have the same love for the Philippines. And the tech can be the bridge um, aside of the food that they <laughs> that they uh, import in their country and um, and the likes of Jollibee or we have other successful stories like that. Uh, but uh, but the tech is definitely prone to that. Um, so, so yeah, they have that that uh, worldwide mindset right away. It's it's something that will that will continue. Uh, yeah, super to- super powerful. And I, I I don't know why people don't concentrate more on the tech because then you're you're isolated from what well, more from kind of regulation and real world issues. Like there's all these startup people that want to build local marketplaces and shopping and delivery and scooters and and then you're just thrown in well a you're then restricted to your local market and the local power of the the spending power of the economy but also then you're stuck in the sort of regulatory environment of a difficult country whereas if you build a SaaS, then you can just immediately start to be a global company um it seems to have a lot more potential yeah um yeah i think uh, yeah I, I i i could comment on that but i i i believe um, uh, it's also a matter of uh, uh, financial reality. I mean, you, you need to build a, a SaaS product. It does take time, uh, however, to really take it off the ground. Uh, whereas if you trade uh, motorcycles, uh, you start to get traction right away. So, so maybe that's that's easier to 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 perceive and 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 the the, the skill set uh, to to uh, required to to build a proper SaaS. Uh, is also a bit different. So more and more, um, uh, I believe that people will be trained to do that. But as the scene is emerging, uh, it's also normal that you that you don't necessarily have everybody focused on that. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Completely, completely agree. Well, Kieran, that was uh, a great conversation. Probably a good place to leave it. Um, of course, we actually didn't speak that much about Index Asia, but super. Know, incredible resource there for the Philippines. Uh, and if anyone wants to learn more or get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Um, I'm always reachable via email, uh, or we can, uh, or or, I, uh, or or my LinkedIn is also sharing a bit of uh, our background. Um, so for any um, uh, player interested in investing in the Philippines. And uh, getting to know a bit how to do it, uh, relevant or not for me, I'm always happy to help. Brilliant. Okay, and I'll put all of that in the show notes, of course. Thank you so much, Kieran. Thank you, Derek. That was Kieran Martin. He's a managing partner at Index Asia. And as always, go to the show notes, which is at outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast 
to get any of the notes and links that we mentioned. And as always, if you want to ask us anything, then just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.